It's my pleasure to welcome you to the Clark Howard Show. Our mission is to serve you and empower you so you make better financial decisions in your life. Now, once you know, we consider you to be a part of our team when you listen. And we truly appreciate it when you share something you learned with somebody in your life. Please do that. And you have an example, don't you? Yeah, you know, I was looking through the Apple podcast reviews and this one was posted. I'm a huge money and consumer beware nerd now. I'm telling everyone all these tips about stuff so much that they're getting annoyed and think I'm in love with Clark Howard. Haha. I've saved myself from fraud and feel so much more confident with financial matters. That's you know your what? mission. Huh? That's your mission, right? That's I mean, that's the whole said. idea is to empower you so that you can have more control in your life, more freedom in your life, and money is not the goal. You know, people always think that it's about worshiping money. It's not. It's about creating that financial cushion, that security in your life. And I'm glad when when I'm able to make that connection with you with someone who can take what you learn here and inspire you to take more control and maybe even seek more and more knowledge because obviously this head only holds so much. There's a lot of people who've got more wisdom than I do. The whole idea is to be thinking this way, to build momentum in your life where you do take more control. Now, I want to talk about something that's felt out of control. We made a promise 15 years ago in the United States that if you were willing to become a public service worker, a police officer, a firefighter, a teacher, any of a number of public service kind of workers that we, the American people, would forgive your student loans. And it was a promise that was broken repeatedly from when this promise became law 15 years ago. It turns out, based on a new investigation, it was because a lot of the contractors that the U.S. Department of Education hired to handle the student loan payments and processing and forgiveness, that the financial incentives were all wrong and they lied to people over and over again to prevent people from qualifying for student loan forgiveness. And then it turned out 99, I think it's 99.7% of people who in good faith made 10 years of payments that should have led to student loan forgiveness doing these public service jobs, putting their lives on the line as a firefighter or a police officer and other jobs like that, that they were denied their student loan forgiveness because the system was dirty. Well, now there is a correction period going on and there are many hundreds of thousands of people who work in these jobs, maybe in the millions, who have already done or are well on the way to qualifying for the student loan forgiveness that is tax-free, by the way, for people in public service jobs, that this year through September, you can get retroactive forgiveness for the stuff that these corrupt loan processors did not set you up on. So even if you were denied loan forgiveness, if you made your payments, there's a process this year that 70,000 people, only 70,000 
people seem to have been aware of this and have gotten through the process. I don't want it to be the last of September and people are scrambling to try to get their documentation together and get it submitted in time. I want you to know now in March that this is available for you in working for a nonprofit, working in various uh, government jobs, uh, that you are eligible for this loan forgiveness, and I want you to get it. So know it's out there. There's a decent briefing now at the U.S. Department of Education website at ed.gov, ed.gov, and we have a uh, simple cheat sheet for you at clark.com to explain that this uh, forgiveness period is underway through September, that again, this protects the people that were improperly or illegally rejected over these last 15 years and gets you the credits towards forgiveness you were supposed to have. You don't want to miss this opportunity to have the promise that was denied now fulfilled. Krista? We'll go to some questions now. This is from Ken in Oregon. My wife and I are expecting our first child in April. Congratulations Congratulations to both of you. My father-in-law is wanting to open a 529 for our child once he's born. While I trust my father-in-law, it makes me nervous to have my child's college savings under someone else's control. But it also seems unnecessary for us to save into a 529 at the same time as I believe he will contribute enough to pay for most college expenses. I'm grateful for his support, but not quite sure what to do in this situation. I've thought about discussing it with him, but feel like it could be taken the wrong way. Any thoughts on how to handle this situation? So um, <laughs> you just say thank you to your father-in-law. I mean, this is, this is a situation where he, out of joy of having this grandbaby coming, wants to fund college for your child, and you just accept with gratitude and don't worry so much about it. Your father-in-law has the option when he sets it up to name a subsequent owner at time of death, which would typically be either you or your husband would be the subsequent owner of the account. And the only thing I hope your father-in-law knows how to pick a low-cost 529 plan. Um, If it involves any salesperson at all, at any brokerage house or bank, you're going to get ripped off on this 529 account. And in many cases, you'll end up with less money at the end of the years than you started with because of the endless commissions and fees that are charged in these high-cost plans sold by the full commission stock brokerages and the banks. So I've got a guide that is pretty thorough and clear on how to choose a 529 account if there was any way gently to suggest send him the, the guide. link yes yeah, Clark- it. it's on clark.com right yeah, send him the, the link. link and that would be as far as i would go in this case because it's wonderful what he's doing and just accept the generosity this is from eric in virginia what are resources to find long-term rentals that allow dogs my spouse is a travel nurse and we are relocating to Asheville, north carolina for three months with our dog Airbnb has easy search features, but it's very expensive, not to mention the many fees and taxes. Are there other affordable, consumer-safe options? So first of all, Eric, um, let me tell you something. 
Asheville is really in right now and is a very, very expensive destination to find rental housing because it is so ultra popular right now. I love Asheville. It is, I mean, it's and a great very dog place. friendly. In oh yeah, Asheville. dogs everywhere in Asheville. Watch your feet when you walk. <laughs> Don't step in any poop from somebody who didn't clean up after the dog. Uh, but it is. Uh, it feels a little like uh, mountainous Paris with how many dogs you see everywhere in Asheville. So uh, culturally, you're not going to find as much a problem finding a rental property that accepts dogs, a three-month period of time. So, okay, I'm going to take you into a, a little bit of a chancy area, but try to contact owners directly about doing a longer-term rental. Uh, you can try through their various rental agencies that rent in Asheville. Um, a lot of the owners in Asheville do not manage their own Airbnbs or VRBOs. They're going through a rental management company because often they're absentee owners of these properties. But you can try through rental agencies, although you have their fees involved. Uh, you can try contacting owners of properties directly. Uh, but this is this is an expensive kind of venture you're going on being in Asheville. It is it is really a precious place. You have something you wanted to add? Well, I was going to add that on Airbnb, if you found a great place, you block out the dates and then send a question to the owner there. I, I do believe sometimes they'll give you a break because they want they don't want the hassle of having to rent it out weekly or nightly. If they can get three months, they may be willing to cut you a break and reduce the price. That is absolutely a, a solid suggestion. You always have the risk that in the case Chris is talking about, the owner would be willing to just cut the price for the three months, but always be careful with Airbnb or VRBO paying outside of their payment portal. That's when you stand a great deal of risk that you'll end up getting scammed, that you will have paid money for a place that then you get there and right. it was a fraud. So I don't want you to get too cheap on this, that you end up in a situation that all you do is lose your money. This is from Carmen in Florida. Please, 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 Clark. I've been using the iRobot vacuum and I'm so in love with it. I would like to venture into a mopping robot, but there are so many love or hate reviews that I don't know if I should wait on technology to be more advanced in that area. Would you like to know, Would li I would like to know if you've tried that in your condo and I'd like to hear your review. We've only tried the uh, regular robotic vacuums. And they vary in quality. They vary in, you know, getting, st we have one that gets stuck under the same piece of furniture every time. You ever use I, one of these? I have one. I actually tried a mopping one too. I can talk about once you're done. Oh, let's hear about your mopping And experience. I love my iRobot. I call him Roberto. Um, and he's awesome. But I did try a mopping one. My husband actually got it for me as a gift because I do love my robot so much and I didn't love it and I returned it. So um, I bought it from a warehouse club and I was able to return it because I didn't like it. So there's no, nothing wrong with trying one out um, as long as you do have that ability. Yeah, the mopping robots, uh, as you've read in the reviews, are not quite there yet. It took a long, long time for, you know, it was really a business started by Roomba originally 
for them to get to where the regular vacuums were more uh, hit than miss. And so it's taking that same kind of learning curve for the mopping robot vacuums. And so I, I don't know that I would jump in yet on it. And it's pretty much why we haven't done that either is because of what I've been reading in the reviews that it just doesn't seem to be the time yet. And if you use a mopping robot vacuum and you found one that you absolutely love, hope you'll post that for uh, all of us to know, including Carmen, that there's one that actually does seem to be doing the job reliably. Now, i got a question for you. You know, I wear glasses. I've been four eyes since I was a little kid. I started wearing glasses when I was like five years old. I know I've seen the cartoon of me coming out of my mother's womb with glasses on. <laughs> Not true. Didn't wear glasses till I was five. But my wife from time to time will say, do you think you need to have your hearing checked? And so the question is, is it that I'm just a guy who's tuning my wife out? Or am I having problems with my hearing? I want to tell you that the problems with the eyes and the ears generally start at age 40. I want to talk about an early warning system that we all have in our hands that can help us figure out how our eyes are doing and how our ears are doing. I'm going to tell you about that coming up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. So, my eyes have actually stopped deteriorating in recent years. In fact, I had a little improvement in my prescription, and I go once every year for an eye exam. I never miss a year having my eyes checked because I have had vision problems from being a little kid. I used to have to wear a patch over my eye, and I called it my pirate patch, because I had uh, what was called a lazy eye. Aww. Did you not know that, I Krista? didn't know that. Yeah. So that's really good for self-esteem. You know, oh, my gosh. The young kid brutal. was wearing the patch. And my head, if you ever see me on TV, you'll see that my head is always cocked a little. Because I, you ever notice that? Mm -mm. Yeah. And my head is never quite straight. <laughs> because from being a young kid, I always had to favor one eye over the other. And I kind of always turn my head a little bit. Yeah, I'm a factory second, Aww. at least an irregular. 
So, well, aren't we all? For me, having my eyes checked has just been a thing I've had to do all through the years. Well, if you have been lucky enough to have great vision and have never had to worry about this, there will come a time, typically, you start to notice the same time that you grunt when you sit down or get up from a sofa around age 40, that you also will start to have a little more trouble reading things and you're, you're uh, taking your phone closer or further away from your eyes and all that. Well, I wanted to tell you that there is a great website that is for the ophthalmology industry that has a list of apps you can use on an iPhone or Android to check out your vision. And they are all different kinds of things. Most of them are free to use for iPhone or Android. Uh, A lot of them work on freemium business models where you can, based on how much stuff you want from it, you can pay. Uh, Some of them are like three bucks you have to pay for. But there's one that is called Vision Check 2. That's 65 bucks for a device that they give you and uh, a subscription for two years. And the idea of it is that it's supposed to do a full prescription for you for glasses, the full deal. Now, you're not suggesting that someone doesn't go to an eye doctor for screenings no, 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 and no, no, all those no. important not a, things. Not at all. I'm talking about people with mild difficulty reading like reading menus and they're looking or... for readers a lot of these apps will tell you because people get into a store and they're looking at readers and they can't figure out do i want this one or that one what amount of magnification do i need and what happens with these apps for that is they'll tell you you know this is the magnification you need and so the website you go to is aao.org and then you'll see the the link for you to see the list of all the various apps you can use for iPhone or Android. But no, this is not a substitute for seeing an eye doctor. If you have potential deterioration in vision that is significant, I mean, you notice something, it's worth it to go see an eye doctor, an optometrist or an ophthalmologist, and check out your eye health. Because some of this is just due to the birthday you've had and how old you are. And something sometimes it could be a medical issue that could be uh, something that could lead to blindness or other health problems. And that's why seeing when you have deterioration of vision, uh, at some point you're going to need to see an eye professional and like I do every year. And every year... I have the full check to make sure I don't have a serious eye disease. And it's just something that I do for my eye health, again, because I've been four eyes almost my whole life. Now, as I mentioned earlier, Lane often asks, when did you last have your hearing checked? I last had it checked in December, and my hearing was just fine, which means I'm a bad husband I'm one of those guys who, at some point, I might not be paying enough attention and tune out, and it's really bad and it's disrespectful. But a lot of times, it's because hearing has deteriorated, and hearing is deteriorating 
at younger ages because, I mean, think about it. When you're out and about on one of your runs, Krista, how many people are wearing those space alien things in their ears? Just even not even a run. I mean, it's like whenever walking around, I see people driving with earbuds in and people seem to wear them constantly. And the quality of the audio in vehicles has gotten much better. And for some reason, people think that it's important that someone a half mile away can hear their music while they're in the car. And so um, the amount of music and the volume we're listening to music is significantly harming hearing at a much younger age. And so it's really important that you not ignore this. The Wall Street Journal did an item about you being able to do online hearing tests to see how you're doing. And there's an app for iPhone users called Mimi that you can use to do a thorough test of That's how much... M-I-M-I? M-I-M-I. How much of your hearing capability you have lost. And then at that point, there are others as well that are for iPhone. I don't know, and I've not seen these that work for Android yet. There may be some. I haven't found them. I looked, and I didn't find an app for that. But the important thing is that this Mimi app will work at getting you a sense about if you have minor hearing loss, then you have the ability to go buy these new hearing aids that are so much cheaper that are available in the marketplace. I've been promising them. They're appearing regularly where instead of you paying $6,000 for hearing aids, we're moving more to world prices of just a few hundred dollars for hearing aids. So we've got both going on at the same time in the United States with the old-fashioned business model of charging people a fortune, 20 times world prices, to us now having access, thanks to an act of Congress, to world standard pricing of just a few hundred dollars an ear. So this is great news for your wallet. And don't ignore it. Because particularly, you think about if you are in a public situation at an event or at a party or something like that, and you're missing a lot if you're not hearing people, they're talking, but you're not really hearing what they're saying, why not be able to be fully involved in what's going on? And the hearing aids now are so miniaturized Nobody's going to have to see them or know they're there. I know a lot of people won't wear them because of vanity. Please rethink that. And again, you might want to go to an audiologist because my dad went and he does wear hearing aids, but he had so much wax built up in his ears, which happens to some people. What'd you say? <laughs> that they had to clean it out. They couldn't even test his hearing. And so there's another reason to potentially see a doctor. Um, okay, here are some questions. This is from. I really appreciate that because every time I talk about anything self-help yeah. like that, the medical professionals get yes. very unhappy As with me. As the person who goes through the Clark stinks every week. <laughs> so uh, I, we're moving in an era where a lot of electronics are going to be available for medical things. And there are situations where it's okay for you to do things self-serve. But as an example, I use the Cardia device to, you know, because I have a defective heart. So I use the Cardia to check my heart once a week. And 
instead of every six months when I'm at the cardiologist, I have a continuous stream of data on how my heart's doing. It's like a the, partnership. Yeah, the Cardi is 150 bucks, and I'm able to not have to worry, you know, six months later, I have a six-lead um, EKG, their ECG, whatever they call it, that it does. So it's much more advanced than my Samsung watch or an Apple watch at doing it. And it's a $150 thing that you have an app on your iPhone or Android, and I'm able to see what's going on with my heart. This is the perfect partnership, as you referred to it, where these tools are now available to warn us of a silent killer, even when we're under regular medical care. This question's from Bill in Michigan. We are reviewing our car home insurance policies as our renewal is due this month. All the companies say they can save us $300 to $800 a year. Are all the major companies reliable? Are there any to avoid? We are frequent listeners to your program and very much trust your counsel. Okay, so I appreciate this. And Consumer Reports does the most thorough job on reviewing auto and homeowners insurers. And their most recent review finds a pretty wide variety and quality in the auto insurance area, more so than homeowners. Huge gap in the quality. So they rate three companies above and beyond the others. USAA in this year's auto survey got the highest rating for how they treat customers. They rate them based on premiums, claims, service, and they also do something called policy review, but the the ones that most of us really care about, premiums, claims, service. The second is one I know nothing about, NJM Insurance. N as in Nancy, J Junction, M Mary. NJM Insurance. And third, Amica Mutual. These three rank significantly higher than everybody else. Who ranks the lowest in Consumer Reports data for auto insurance? Lowest score of anybody, Liberty Mutual. Shows very cute TV ads during football. Mm -hmm. Um, Then Kemper. And this company I've not heard of. Insurance Property and Casualty Insurance Company. Ever heard of them? So those three received uh, very low scores. A number of other branded, well-known insurers did not do well in the Consumer Reports survey uh, of note. MetLife did very poorly. Allstate did very poorly. Now let's talk about homeowner's insurance. Amica, that was third in auto, number one, uh, and I mean, an unbelievable score, number one, a 94 I mean, for people to be that happy with an insurer is unprecedented. USAA was second. Auto owners was third. Those were the top of the heap. That's what Bill in Michigan is actually currently with auto owners. Okay, so they're, they're doing a good job. And then at the bottom end, but again, the gap between the auto and homeowners insurer is much smaller than between auto and uh, insurers where the gap is quite large. So the lowest rating, though, with uh, the homeowners was American Family, followed by Liberty Mutual again. So Liberty Mutual was the bottom of auto, next to bottom in homeowners. 
and the Hartford. Those were the three lowest rated. Oh, Hartford tied with Allstate. The two of them tied as third lowest. So you've got price, and this is the hard part, because you got price with auto and homeowners, and then you have what happens when the chips are down. When you have a claim, how are you treated? And that's the other factor. We don't have claims that often, hopefully, but when you have one, you want to know they're there for you, and that's the hard part in picking premium versus the quality of the company. Do you know if, if he were to call his current company that he liked, that's obviously doing a pretty good job, if they would potentially give him a lower rate by calling, like you can do with other things? So, or do they have their formula? There is a formula, but I've found that it is worth the phone call when you're thinking of changing. And they'll say, oh, well, let's look at this. Let's see if you have you rated properly. Because as I've shared in the past, a number of auto and homeowners insurers use something known as a loyalty index score. And when they know that somebody's psychological makeup is as someone who's an extremely loyal kind of person, and they're less likely to shop around, you are likely to be charged higher premiums than somebody who is a shopper. This question's from Debbie in Arizona. My best friend is being talked into a reverse mortgage. Her friend tells her that the reverse mortgages of the past are no more and the new ones are much better. I know the fees are outrageous, but is it true that these types of mortgages are safer? My friend is a widow and I'm concerned for her. (sighs) Reverse mortgages are a last option when you're short of funds. When they're a good idea is when you don't have enough money to live on each month, you're struggling financially, you're not that worried about an heir inheriting your house, then a reverse mortgage can be an acceptable choice to use. The thing with reverse mortgages is, as you pointed out, there's a lot of trash in the market and the fees can vary a lot. Your friend would only be potentially even looking at a legit reverse mortgage if they require counseling first, financial counseling first, done by a third party. And then you want to know all the costs involved. If someone is in a position that they really need more money and they absorb those upfront costs, the advantage is that a reverse mortgage in its simplest form pays you every month against the equity you have in the home instead of you paying them every month. And you never have to worry about being kicked out as long as you make sure the taxes and insurance are paid. And so it is a least bad alternative when someone is really short of cash, but your role can be to help them shop around to find one that is on the up and up and legit. And again, If they don't require that you go to third-party counseling, financial counseling first, you know they're not looking out for your best interest. They're not playing the game straight. I want to thank you so much for being a part of Team Clark. And if you enjoy our podcast, please subscribe, review us, and share us with your friends.